I'm bored. I haven't played no maggoty ball game for three stinking days. Yeah. Why can't we have some miniatures? What about them? They're flesh. They're not for eating. What about those dwarven figures? They don't need those. Oh, they look tasty. Get back, scum. Come on, just a dice fool. Looks like Geek's back on the menu, boys. What's that? What do you smell? It's War of the Ring! This game is chess plus, risk magnificent. Mm. If you're into your strategies, if you're into your grand epics, your four hours of like locking horns with your intellectual. I don't know we said this about um, GMT's Twilight Struggle as well, but this has just got a lot of flavor, a lot of fantasy flavor behind it. Yes. I mean, obviously the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, setting is prime territory for an excellent board game. Um, and I mean, this game does have its foibles, which we'll, we'll go into. <laughs> it does. Um, but like um, any, any great love, it's going to have, you know, a few things that are going to bother you. But overall, um, we love this game, which is why we've, we're doing this review and why we're, we're talking about it. So. We're about we're about six games in, and um, already we want to just like clear the board, clear the podcast now, and just yeah. like you know take the hour or so it takes to set up. We're about to half an hour now, now though. Yeah, but holy crap, it's meaty. So, Garrett, in this conversation about War of the Ring, the board game, what are we going to be covering? Well, we've got a a, a template that we always kind of run by. Um, and basically we're going to break this down into like the history, um, you know, what you get in the box, how the game plays or the game mechanics. Uh, we're going to look at the, the experience as a whole, like how do you feel? How do you interact? Um, how, how do you walk away with your head hung, hung low or, uh, you know, up in the heavens and also, uh, some value, you know, uh, is this game worth buying in the end? Finally, a conclusion, just a, a, a summary of yeah. all the nuts and bolts. Thank you, Garrett. So I guess with that, we might as well make like a hobbit and and, and split <laughs> and get out of here. <laughs> make for the mountain. All right, let's do it. So maybe just start off, Garrett, giving us a little bit of history with the game. Um, I, yeah. will, I will retell you of a saga from long ago. <laughs> the history of this game <laughs> is from 2012. Oh, I see. Which age? The... This age or the, the, the second age, the second year, the year 2012. It's yeah, uh, it's yeah, 20, 2019 of the second day. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I remember when I was more than just a twig. There's an end speaking. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Who else has a fucking twig in their body? <laughs> well, <laughs> don't get me started. Oh it's, it's come in two editions. Uh, not too much difference between the two. The second one has like better outlines on the map and a few other minor minor points. Um, really not worth mentioning. So just to be clear, in terms of our review here, we've yeah. been playing second edition. That's right, we have. Yeah. Uh, even still, we've got, you know, inconsistencies. Mm. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I should say more that we have difficulty playing the, with the board sometimes. It's literally like no shit. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry. Don't bury the lead. Don't give... <laughs> <laughs> tease them. This is, Garrett, this, is tease Tol- them. this is Tolkien's entire mind spewed out onto a board that's right? right it's like when you have those old fantasy novels and you open up and there's a, there's a page 
of, of the world's map and you have no idea what the hell is going on yeah. where anything Welcome exists. Welcome to Terevendium. Right, right. With 43 countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 200 yeah. cities. And we've got the dark mishapen forest over here that leads onto the forest of Angorn. And, and it's the like, troll people the who tr- live in this <laughs> like, wooded area. <laughs> what am I getting myself into? And you've got to learn all these new, like, oh, it's a whole new Now, I've got to say, I've got to say, I, I felt a bit like your guide in the wilderness with you. Because I've got to be honest, I am a nerd. I am a Lord of the Rings nerd. <laughs> Which was excellent for me. It, it, like you say, my Especially guide. at the start of the game. Right. You're like, oh, dude, how could you not? know that Fahurund is like <laughs> in the southwestern corner of the map. How Come could on. you not know How that? How could you not know that Umber sits right next to Farinir Harad? Well, I what, mean, what, it's just common, your back sense. Straight, common sense. So I was Hello! <laughs> and in fact, I think uh, Rob enjoyed it so much, he would often ask me at the start of games, alright, alright, hit me, Lord of the Rings questions, go, go, go. You know, where did the world come from? Where did the dwarves come from? He'd be like, come on, test me, test my knowledge here. Um, which was great, and I, I got more in depth into into the world of Tolkien. Yeah. Um, I've, if anything, I've, that if, if if there's if there's nothing else, this game will sort of force you to learn more about you will, the Rings. You will like it, or I will force <laughs> you, you to will, like it. That's right. Not so, that it not that it breaks the game by any stretch. Like if you don't know who the Witch King of Angmar is, mm. yeah, you're about to find out. But you don't need to commit that to memory. No, no. But it's it's, it's a good way to learn. Sort of a bit more Lord mm. of the Rings lore. There's a there's quite a bit, more. and it stays true to it. You would agree yeah. as well. Like there's there's no inconsistencies. No, I mean the only consistencies, of course, are the way the game plays out. Sure, is, oh, is, yes. can be very different the way things actually did play out, very which true. we'll get into definitely. Um, look, moving on a little bit. As far as awards are concerned, we are both shocked that they're <laughs> actually. As far as we could find, weren't any awards bestowed no, upon this notable awards? Notable awards. Uh, bestowed upon this this epic strategy game, which really did shock us. Mm. Um, look, if if we're incorrect, please let us know. Uh, we would love to amend this, but yeah, yeah, we couldn't see anything surprising. Yeah, you you're gonna shell out 142 dollars Australian thereabouts for uh, a new version for for a new version, or you could if you get lucky like I did. If find- you want to be like Garrett and trade an Elkhorn with maybe some an uh, old Indian carburetor nails with uh, with an old <laughs> mallet, Garrett tends to have a, a, a tendency to trade and yes. barter for his items. And it sometimes works and it sometimes doesn't. And I got lucky with this one here. I think I got some old metal space wolves from Warhammer 40k <laughs> and I did. traded them for this. How many shekels did you actually oh, have to... 12 shekels, yeah. 12 and a half shekels. So you didn't have to give any money over it? Was a, it, was a, it, was, it was a trade. It, it was, was a, a full-on full on medieval just goods for that's goods. That's it, that's it. It was great. Okay. I, I, you know, I took off my old uh, talk, you know, yeah. from around my arm, yeah. like the old Viking <laughs> trading currency, and I broke it with an axe into like 12 eighths of it. And then, and then he bit into it to make sure <laughs> that it was real. <laughs> Mm, that's good steel. <laughs> and and the trade happened and, and I couldn't have been happier. Uh, it was fully complete, barely anywhere in tear. Um, but that kind of adds to this game anyway, you know. Yeah. You want it to look like it's been around the block. <coughs> um, the art on it is very early 90s. Yeah, it does have a sort of dated feel to it, but it doesn't really detract from the game that much. Um, oh, and 80 USD for us uh, American listeners. 80 American dollars. All right, so... Um, I mean, in terms of what you get, jeez, do you have all night? Um, look, let's just put it in general, yeah. general terms. There are two sides um, with miniatures. You've got the the forces of the free people or the armies of the free people, and that consists of top of my head, dwarves, elves, 
Rohan, Men of the North, Men of the North, and the and the Gondorians and Rohan. I said Rohan. Oh, okay, Rohan, Did Gondor, <laughs> Men of the North, Elves, Dwarfs. There's no ho- there's no hobbits. There's there no are hobbits. hobbits, but they're not. A- they're part of Men of the North, I suppose, as the men. Like right, they can, they can sling stones. That's right. You know, kneecap don't, a few people. Please don't. Um, because you're going to make me want to try and pull out more lore and history. And bite it's just bite not... some, you know, ankles. Um, <laughs> on the opposite side, you've got Sauron's forces, the forces of evil. And these are the Easterlings, which are like kind of... Dark humans from a faraway land who are very sort of Moroccan, Middle Eastern right. inspired. At least that's my right. sort of... When he says dark, he means corrupt. Um, on top of that, you've got the forces of... Not, I was going to say Isildur. That's wrong. I'm getting my, my things mixed up. Sauron. Saruman. 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 A- um, he's the, the Ian McKellen character, the, the creepy old wizard um, with the long fingernails. He used no, no, to- Christopher Lee, not Ian oh, McKellen. Oh, jeez. All right. The rum's kicking in. <laughs> they look very similar. They're both old, Garrett. Ta- I can take see it away. <laughs> take it away, Rum, quickly. Uh, so Christopher Lee, I think it is, who yes. plays um, Saruman. Saruman. And um, so his forces are the Urukai in this game, at least. And they've got um, Wag Riders too, right? Wag Riders, um, which which are like wolf, like goblins on wolves. Yeah, like big bad evil wolves. I guess would be yep. the best sort of analogy I can give to someone who's not familiar with the game or the sort of the law. Mm. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Sauron and the forces of darkness from Mordor. Right, trolls and goblins essentially. Trolls and goblins, and as you say, the Easterlings, um, which are. Sort of uh, men who have fallen into darkness, and yep. they're represented by elephants, elephants, and, and regular arches. And arches like yeah. yeah. So, I guess you can clearly tell by that number of forces. I mean, there's a lot of miniatures in this you game. You do. Um, there, there are sort of three different types, kind of. You've got your regular infantry. Um, for each force, there's a regular. For, correct, correct. And they're on sort of a, like a normal base, um, and often on foot. And then you've got like an elite version who yeah. do better in combat. They can do special things. Uh, they're often mounted um, or just a bigger version of, of that yeah. uh, particular race or, or whatever. And <coughs> lastly, you've got the leader and these give buffs to all of your troops. Uh, they're colored gray. They carry banners um, or they fly like the Nazgul, which are the mm. evil leader um, types. Um, and as I said, they, they have their own special bonuses. Now, I suppose one thing, we should mention at this point, Garrett, is something that's quite interesting and engaging about this game is the fact that it's quite asymmetric. Correct. So there really is a huge difference between the two forces and we're not talking about a pure sort of red versus blue or a simple, like Garrett said, it's a much more complex than just a game of chess. So it's asymmetric in terms of the game. Both sides have very different um, tools. Is there a sound I can hear? Sorry, I can hear something in the background. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's we'll see, we'll going. see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Rob's correct. Um, so when you are picking your sides, you if it's the first time, you actually have no real idea what's what's you're in for mm. other than um, I'm bred. i got to kick Blue's ass and Blue's like, well, I've actually got to do some sneaky yes. stuff. I've got to sneak this hidden cargo through swamps and mountains and trolls yes. and... It's like you're a, you're a drug mule trying to yes. get that that contraband down to Mexico or maybe up from Mexico. So what else is coming with the box? Um, are the leader miniatures, and each of these are in fact unique. So you've got everyone from 
Um, the big characters. Yeah. We've the, got Gandalf. We've got Gimli. Gimli. We've got Legolas. Yeah. We've got all the hobbits. We've got um, the Mouth of Sauron, the uh, the Nazgul, sorry, king, the, the witch king of Angmar. We've got Saruman. You've got, of course, Aragorn. Um, you've basically got all of the major heroes and, and obviously most of those are for the fellowship player. And don't start frothing too much about um, like having to paint them or, or even the quality of the miniatures because uh, they're what, like 20 mil scale? Quite uh, small. They're not blowing my mind by any stretch. You've the, seen some photos there, haven't you, Garrett? You said you've looked at photos online of uh, when people they're painted, who have painted them. They're, they're okay. You don't buy this game for the miniatures by any stretch. It's not like Blood Rage or, or something like no. that. Where you want that game for those miniatures. And to paint them up. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I think if you were painting these up, it would be a bit like that D&D game, Gates of Narath, which it's like, there's just a sheer volume it's here. It's too much. If you were really passionate, fill your boots. Sure. But, but really, the game... I don't think would it wouldn't really add any value for me. I don't think for a while now we've been planning to paint or spray uh, each of these factions, like representing just the base colors. Yeah, that's right. Just to make it a bit easier to view and manage the game. Yeah, and, and I guess we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, what else? We got cards. Cards come with this. Uh, cards do play an important role, which we will get to. Uh, there's a blue deck for the goodies and the red deck for the baddies. You get a whole bunch of little uh, tiles that can be used to sort of better manage your forces. You get uh, both the uh, free people's dice as well as the um, uh, forces of shadow, uh, their dice. Um, beyond but, that, the board itself. Yeah. Um, rule books. And I think that's about... Some player guides. Player some, guides. some D6s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not much. Well, I argue a lot, actually. Well... Not much else beyond a no, sheer scale of minis. But I the mean, box else. is bigger than what is normal for a board yeah, game. It's about a third bigger than most yeah, board yeah, game yeah. boxes. Yes. And a little hefty too. So I guess that will lead into our next section, which is uh, premise and mechanics. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, do that. <laughs> did you do that? Yeah, I did you that. said that. I did that. That was brilliant. Okay, we're going to talk about the premise of the game. Um, I'm going to take it from the perspective of the forces of shadow. Yeah. And Rob's going to take it from? The, the free peoples. Free people. Yeah. Then Which, they, they don't have as many fun voices. Whereas, they don't, you know. You know. Urukai. Right. Boots yeah. back on the menu, <laughs> boys. <laughs> Whereas I talk like fairies. And yes, yes, Frodo, come with me. Oh, to I the get line. to do the dwarfs, though. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Right. Uh, hello, lads. I'm going to do the rest of the podcast like this. I like it. And people think there's, there's no dwarf women. <laughs> they can't tell from the beards. It's the beards. Yeah, it gives them away. <laughs> All right. So with the premise, uh, essentially, what runs the game? Other dice. Yes, and I suppose this um, is probably the most the, the, a unique a unique aspect of the game. It kind of sets it apart from from uh, from other games. Many but, other strategy yeah. games where you kind of get free reign of what decisions you like to make. Oh, I'm going to grab this army here. I'm going to move them to this, and I'll attack here. Yeah. You don't get that freedom in this game. Yeah. The thing that drives the forces of dark is Sauron's greed to find this ring. He's poured his malice and his hate and, and his, his will to dominate. His will to dominate into this ring and he wants to he wants to find this. And so that is actually masterfully simulated um, with one of the sides of your dice having Sauron's eye on it. 
So anytime you roll your dice and that pops up, you actually have to put that into what's called the hunt pile, pile, pool. Um, And so you are foregoing turns and actions that you can do due to this. So what you can do, um, both sides can muster armies. So basically uh, get more troops. Yeah, recruit. Recruit troops. Um, You can move your troops. Yep. You can move your troops with a leader. Mm -hmm. Um, You can use a special event card. Yep, that's... That's represented by the Palantir on yes. both. Or a crystal ball for those who aren't familiar with, with lore. Oh, come on. You have that low of an opinion of our listeners. It's a they crystal bullshit. I didn't know what crystal a bloody... Crystal bullshit. I, I, I didn't know what a Palantir was. All right. The Palantir. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, and you can move your status of your armies or forces... The political track. Down the political track, which is basically like, oh no, it's not a problem here. We'll just go about our business mining popcorn and, and candy from the mines. I want to move to that kingdom. It sounds like a great kingdom. Unfortunately, there's orcs like ready to enslave your children uh, in the next region and you haven't done diddly squat about Man it. Fish. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So you can use those actions to, to activate, well, not activate, uh, the, the cards that you get drawn can be used to activate in some situations, but you can use it to move down and there's a scale basically. We're not going to go into too much detail, nah. but basically there's a scale and then the, the free people's essentially Actually, your one of your first objectives coming out of the gate in, the, in this game is going to be moving your armies, your different the elves and the dwarves and the freemen, all that stuff, moving them down the um, down the political track so that they can actually engage and sure. recruit. That's right. Because you can't muster until you're um, at war. No, if I understand, if I remember. Let's correctly. go into the dice in more detail in a moment. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to share the similarities between the two armies. So that's a shared <coughs> shared actions. Yeah. And just to make this crystal clear, when you roll those dice, they're the actions you can perform per die roll of that icon. Yeah. So it's it's a dice, but it doesn't have numbers on it. It's got symbols, yep. which then, um, depending on the what symbol it is, they 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 give you the option to, to perform certain actions. Correct. Some symbols can be used for different things. Yes. So you can choose. Others are no, it can only be used for X Right, right, right. It's like a, there's a dash between. Yes. You can either uh, recruit more stuff or move enough. Correct. For yep. example. Now there are differences between the forces of good and evil, um, even with the same symbol. So, for example, when Rob, as a force of good, rolls a sword, he can actually use that sword to do multiple different things. So I can move an army uh, with a leader. Correct. Or I can move the hobbits from one region to the next. Yes. Or separate uh, a member of the fellowship, uh, which can have its benefits. Definitely. uh, Because you can also use your companions to activate other nations. Yes. Which is a big... Uh, you know that, that, that's a big sort of task it needs to be done if you want to get your armies all your armies to sort of fucking defend themselves that's against right. the encroaching darkness that's impending them and it's going to kill you so so essentially the, the dwarves will sit in their their holes and just mine until the end of days until uh, Gimli comes along and says I'm here <laughs> I've bought some beer along. How do you fancy you join that? A good scrap? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, let's be honest, there's not many of that dwarfs in the box, but it, every little bit helps in this game when you're playing the, the free people. So, yeah. So basically you can use, uh, yeah, you can use, uh, as I said that before, sword action, to yeah. do a few different things, whereas others are a bit more specific and, and, and narrow in terms of what you can do with them. So, yes. Um, uh, 
what else, Garrett? I mean, beyond the, beyond the dice, what else is there in terms? Oh, of- you you don't want to go into the dice. Did you want to go specifically? I mean, like, look, we're here. We're here. We're, we're queer. <laughs> we don't want any more bears. Or stairs. Or, I don't sta- know. I don't know. or stairs. So, look, let, I'll, I'll flip the mirror and look at my sword action. Sure. Which is, I can move an army with a leader. Yeah. And, or, I can move all of my Nuzgul, which are my flying leader, demon dragon, dudes in heavy chaos armor around the place. Yeah. Um, or... You've got these cards in your hands. Yep. And these cards are split into two. You've got like an, sort of an army's events card, recruiting cards, uh, and you've got like character cards. Yep. So if one of my cards has a sword on it, I can use my sword dice. To activate the card. To activate the card. Or you can use the Palantir to do that as well. Correct. Which is the next one that Rob can talk about. Yeah. So the Palantir in, is quite a common one that will come up. Yeah. Um, because you're rolling four, five, six, seven dice, depending on which side you're playing and how many characters you've activated. I've got a one in six chance on mine. What about yeah, you? one in six as well. Um, and the Palantir can be used to either draw a card either from the um, from the army or or character character, character deck. You can yep. pick which one. Yep. Uh, there is a limit to the number of cards that you can have in your hand, though. Six. Uh, six cards for our non-German speakers. <laughs> Guten Tag to everyone else out there. Entschuldigung. Um, uh, so basically you can use it to draw a card or you can use it to play any card. So you don't have to, um, if you don't have a dagger card or the, um, the I think it's the muster card that's right. used for the other ones. Yep. Um, for the other cards, I should say, the um, the army cards, you can use the Palantir symbol if you've rolled one to activate any card you want. Should we talk about these cards? Yes. So there's inter- something interesting in terms of the cards themselves. So it's a bit similar to if, if, if any of our listeners have played Gloomhaven. It's quite an, uh, quite similar in terms of there's a top and bottom to each of the cards. Now, the top part of the card can be used on activation during your turn. Like I say, when you use the Palantir symbol or your daggers or whatever, the musters, whatever. You want to give me an example? Um, an example of a card? Oh, come on. Everyone knows this one. Yeah. The Horn of Gondor. Um, so here we go. So Horn of Gondor, it requires the um, character. It requires the dagger. Um, play only if Boromir is still in the fellowship. Place the card on the table in front of you. After a hunt tile has been drawn, you may discard the Horn of Gondor to reduce the hunt damage by one. Any remaining hunt damage must be then taken as normal. So uh, you must then discard this card from the table immediately if Boromir leaves the fellowship. So You're basically giving yourself a bit of insurance. Yes. And you will find this with this game that... Uh, you'll be holding on to cards because you're waiting for the right time to use them. (laughs) But at the same time, as I say, there's also a bottom aspect to each of the cards as far as more all of them, which is... Well, this comes into combat. The combat. There is a combat element to this game and that the cards can be used to try and sway things in your favor. So to give you an advantage in combat. Now, be this a skirmish or mighty armies clashing, (coughs) when combat is initiated with usually the sword, but it can be a banner die roll as well. Yep. Um, there'll be an attacker and a defender. Not much matters in this in this situation uh, on a straight up fight. When we're fighting over terrain and things like that, it does. But normally in a straight up fight, attack and defender, both sides will can pick one of these cards. Yep. And activate that. Yep. 
right? And what is what what can happen? Um, I actually think they like, they sway things really heavily in a favor, but you'll quickly notice in this game once you get better at it that your cards are a resource and a precious commodity, and they, you and like Garrett says, you have to use them at the right time. And and the other thing as well is try and this is just a general tip for new players to this game. Just try and remember. Uh, in terms of strategizing, um, not to give away your cards just because you're in a battle and go, oh, I need I need some extra help because it might be actually you know the lesser of two evils. Um, so you don't give away that card just for a slight advantage in a battle that might probably end up not going your way anyway. So an example of one is here's a really common one, Garrett, shield wall. Mm. So this is one for the free peoples. Um, the effect it has on a battle is before you remove any casualties, if your opponent scores two or more hits, cancel one hit. So basically there's a roll-off in any battle. If you've taken casualties, then you can reduce it just slightly to ease the pain. But um, yeah, as I say, just be mindful that the better the battle bonus mm. that you get, generally it correlates to the more effective the card is. And there's a number of quite tasty cards in the deck for both sides. And you've just got to be careful not to give them away for and the sake of a battle. both done this multiple times. Yes. You'll, you'll be in the lurch and you'll be looking just at the bottom of the text. And yep. then you, you'll you've do that. Four cards. You, you've burnt those. And then all of a sudden you've, you had this grand strategy waiting. And you know? it's completely lost for the sake of a battle, which might have not ended in your favor anyway. So True. let's not go too deep into that hole. But but so in essence, there's two aspects to a card. <laughs> but there's so much juice yeah, in there. Yeah, there is. There is a lot. So um, And then, and as I've said, I mean, like as Garrett said, the examples to the Horn of Gondor, you'll, you'll notice that the cards um, hearken to the, the books and the movies. So there's oh, yeah. events in the cards that um, that you'll, you'll recognize. Um, or a, a law from the book, recognize. or even from the film as well, you know. Yeah. Um, and what's great is they can kind of create a narrative throughout your game too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I completely agree with that. Um, in terms of stringing a narrative, the cards get played, and it does sort of give you um, visions of the movie. <laughs> but at the same time, as I've said at the beginning of this cast, there's also other times where things go completely in the other direction. You get to sort of recreate your own Lord of the Rings, which is fun. It is really cool. So they're the cards, and that's with the uh, Palantir yep. uh, icon that pops up. Yeah. Um, there's also the Muster icon, which is like either you can be used in two ways for both sides. Uh, it's recruiting more troops. Yeah, I mean, keep it simple. Basically, you can use the Muster dice to recruit soldiers. Yep. Um, alternative, and there's, there's different recruitment methods. So basically, well, we won't go into that. Yeah, you 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 can choose how many and where and, yeah, and all yeah, of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it's not it's not just all fixed. Um, is there anything beyond that in terms yes, of the muster? Yes, and the diplomatic track. Oh, the diplomatic track, of course. And then obviously, as we said, the cards as well. So they can be used to use certain cards. Um, the banner the banner dice, the banner the, the, the symbol. Yeah, yeah. What about that one? Go on. Um, this one is just for moving plain armies around. So without your leaders, they get left behind for some reason. Perhaps they're you know, singing lullabies to their yep. children or, or whatever. Um, this is just a... Well, actually, with this one, you get to move two separate armies mm. um, once. Or attack with one. Or without attack a leader. with one without a leader. Mm. Um, can be useful. Um, the Especially as the shadow player, because you tend not to have too many leaders lead. going around. And then Nazgul can just travel across the board anyway. That's yeah. right. So the Nazgul are your leaders as the, the forces of shadow. And you will notice that they're very versatile. That they basically move around the board <laughs> very easily because they're flying on... Fell beasts. Yeah. But um, sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, Garrett. no, it's yep. fine. Yep. That's good. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, 
going a little bit back to our combat cards, a lot of them actually depend on for the for the bad player, the red player, the Nazgul. Naz, uh, you need Nazgul in this battle for these cards to to actually activate. So yeah. you've got to make sure they're in the right position at the right time. Yep. Um, but if you're not using that sword to attack, then you don't get those benefits. No. But yeah, that's essentially what the banner does. Uh, from that, uh, I don't think I've got anything else. Oh, of course, you've got a special one, don't you, Rob? Uh, the Will of the West. Yes, the Will of the West, um, which is denoted by a really cool little sort of... It's a it looks, rune? It looks dwarven to me. Mm. I don't know if it's dwarven or if it's elven. It's, I feel like it's probably... Because it's saying Will of the West. I'm assuming it's an elvish symbol, but I, it looks dwarven to me. Anyway, Will of the West is quite a powerful symbol. Um, it's a wild card. It's a wild card, so it can be used to do anything you like. Um, and... I've got to say, for me, I have rotten luck with the Will of the West. <laughs> it comes up. Let's just say if I was an elf, I'm rounds. never going west. No. Because I think I, I went six, five or six rounds rolling four dice with a one in six chance on each dice, and I didn't roll a single Will of the West. Young man, you have terrible luck. Uh, it was terrible. It was awful. So, um, But anyway, Will of the West is a very useful um, die roll for the uh, free peoples because you can use it to do anything. And you'll notice you'll be at a constant... Um, disadvantage in this game in terms of the dice unless you can activate some of those extra characters mm. um, because you've only got four dice and then at the same time you're trying to move your hobbits at least once every <laughs> turn or two which gives you about two or three actions oh, and that's rough and you're trying to defend elven strongholds you're trying muster to activate armies uh, nations you're trying to muster troops so you are going to find in this game that you're constantly going to be at a point of frustration as the free peoples trying to get enough actions to protect yourself and at the same time you know progress the game whereas you feel sometimes gritting your teeth looking at the shadow army oh, look. i'm gonna move here i'm gonna do this i'm gonna activate them i'm gonna pull that card i'm that's gonna right. do that that's right. and finally i'm gonna attack that city and it's like what the fuck yeah. like he's got you know <laughs> you, once he starts activating he's got like eight nine putting out dice. a house fire with a teacup yeah and i am the house fire you know it's, <laughs> it's like i i do get a lot sorry as a bad player i do get a lot of freedom uh and a lot of resources but Often my things are far away and they take time to get to where they need to go. So moving armies, we should explain that. Yeah. Um, it's not like using a tape measure or anything like that. True. Basically, you're moving them, movements of one and two um, regions. regions. So you're just moving them from one region to the next, which is denoted by borders. There's also some geography borders within the game as well. which Mountain ranges. So you can't just move over a mountain. Nah. That applies to both the Hobbit, the companions, and both armies, like yep. moving any... No teleporting allowed. No teleporting. No space magic. Unless you're the... Uh, uh, the, yep. uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Nazgul. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which can basically teleport from one side of the map to the next. But, um, but anyway, in essence, the, the map is, is bordered and you move them from one region to the next. And the regions are, you, you'll notice some of them like Erebor, which is the region where Lonely oh, yeah. Mountain is. Oh yeah. Everyone knows that one. Definitely. Lorien. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Harad, oh, know? yeah. Yeah, I went Umbar. for a vacation there one time. It was Did lovely. You? Yeah, it was, was it? great. All right. It's great. All right. God, just the sarcasm dripping from his dripping from his lips. So <laughs> what else do we need to cover here, Garrett? I mean, beyond what we've already done, what, what, what else do we... Do there we is one discuss? little nug um, that we've left unburied. Yeah. And that is the power of the three elven rings. Yeah, that's great. I didn't actually even think of that. You want, you want to talk about those? 
Um, so basically, the free people start with the three rings, which uh, Garrett doesn't like the history that much, but let me just sort of break it Please, down. Please, I'm going to make a drink <laughs> while you divulge. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're staying right here. I need a captive audience. <laughs> so I don't know the... Uh, yeah, basically, um, as per the movie at the beginning, you can see that there were three mm. elven rings that were crafted, which have magical powers. And and nine to the, the lords of men. That's right. That's and, right. And... Seven to the dwarf lords in the mountain keeps. That's right. So the three rings: one's held by Gandalf, one's held by Galadriel, Galadriel, and one is held by um, Hugo Weaving. What's his? Oh, (laughs) Elrond. Elrond. And they've got different powers in 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 the books. Basically, Gandalf's ring makes um gives people hope that's one of it it sort of gives people courage which he uses for to sort of help the hobbits and give them hope when they're in Mm. complete despair Mm. which you know when he dies in moria was the reason why they were more mortified and and felt so much more the impact of that death because they lost the power of that ring as well they they didn't touch on that they didn't at at all I think rings were just generally seen as evil within the movies. Mm. But um, so these rings were good. Uh, there was Nenya, which was the ring that um, Galadriel had. I think it was called Nenya. And the ring from Elrond, which had healing powers. What, what did her ring Anyway, uh, I, uh, she used it to preserve the magic of Lorien. So to keep the Elvish magic and preserve the, ba- the borders of her lands. Something like that. B- besides the point. In the game, they're just tiles, basically. <laughs> just blue tiles, <laughs> and you pop them down, and you start with them as the uh, that's right as the uh, as the the, the free the free peoples. peoples. Yeah, and in essence, you can use that tile like a will of the west. You can basically go, I'm going to use that to change and do whatever action I want. That's so right. Instead of having a palantir, and you're like, well, actually, I need to move the hobbits. I really need to move them. He's only got one eye in the hunt pool, which means that it's a good opportunity, it's a good for, opportunity for me to move, move them. Um, and we should explain that the, those those hunt eyes, yeah. basically for each eye that Garrett's got in the hunt pool, which we talked about, you he gets to roll a d6 if I move the hobbits. And if he rolls a six, I get to, um, I, I mean, he, he gets, gets to draw, draw from a pile of d- tiles, which most of them are horrible. Essentially, they add corruption to the yeah, hobbits. Yeah, that's right. And if they if the, the corruption gets too high, Garrett wins the game, basically. Yep. Um, now that's where the companions come in. So, like we said, they can be moved off to sort of activate other armies and the do other turn things. Into Joe Pesci, you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and so so basically, you take on corruption. You can use companions to reduce that um, and to help um, or die for for the cause. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so but in essence, you can use the, the, the those three rings as will of the wests in essence to say well i'm going to do anything yep uh, but the, the, the here's the side, rub old boy i capture the rings they are mine so garrett then takes the rings as the shadow army and then he gets to do the th- same thing before they're destroyed correct before they use up all their magic juice so they're a little sort of wild card and at yep. the start of the game when you've got your first opening gambits i think for the free peoples it's really important that you get a few things going straight away and if your dice aren't doing that for you I would strongly recommend you Burn, do burning that. them, use those burning rings. them because they're more valuable to you than the shadow player, in my view. Yeah, because I get the shadow do... player has enough for a die anyway. That's right. That he can probably get what he needs doing, or she, or she, irrespective. Um, so there is a little bit of history about the Elven Rings, and there's what they are in the game. That's cool. That was good that you picked up on that. I completely forgot about the Elven Rings. That's you never great. use them. I never use them until you say, you know, you got an Elven yeah, Ring. Yeah, there's little rings there. Then you go fall. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Okay. Do you want to take a quick break? Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna grab cups of tea. We're gonna recharge, and then we'll be right back in just a moment. 
Garrett, now that we're back, we're we're brewed up. We've got our oh, we've got our teas. Feeling so refreshed. It does it seems ap- you know it, it seems apropos to drink tea while talking about this game because it, it sort of harkens to the the English countryside. I and should be smoking. We a, just need some pipe. A we, pipe of some uh, heroin. Not <laughs> some heroin. Some black tar heroin from Umba. No, the finest weed. I've just got to say that if any if there was any nation within this game that was doing the hard drugs, it would oh, be the East totally, Wings. Totally. They'd be part of the Golden Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. That's like Gondor was actually just trying to like stamp down that's drug right. trafficking. So right. Tolkien didn't really talk about that in the books, but that's sort of more of a, a discovery. It's more inference more than anything. So just recapping in terms of the broader, just broad strokes, yep. the mechanics of this game. Yep. So in essence, your game is a board, which is the Middle Earth map, which is broken up into regions. One side plays the shadow armies. One, play, play, one player plays the um, armies of free. Armies of free. You use your cards in order to perform certain actions, whether that is actions during your turn or um, or as well as during battle. Uh, but you can also perform other actions in the game, which is recruiting, moving the political track, attacking your enemy, um, or defending, um, as well as for the um, for the uh, for the for the free peoples, moving the hobbits closer and closer to Mordor, where they can eventually, hopefully, uh, toss destroy the, uh, the ring. Yeah, toss that gold ring into the so. The- Moving on from that, I mean, what are, what are some of I mean, your experiences with this game? Because we have played this quite a few times. The game goes for quite some time. It's about four to three to four hours for a yeah. game, I'd say. Like, I mean, the, something that we can talk about now when we're on to the experience aspect of this game is the, the setup time. Uh, it takes a long time to set this game up. I'd say at least, I mean, for, if you're inexperienced, it's going to take you a good half an hour to set the game up. But, um, you know, even Garrett, how long does it take you to set this game up? I suppose um, now that I know an efficient way of putting down the models. 15 to 20 minutes. Probably that. What's quite imposing still, though, is is the size of the rules. Yes. The rule book is, it's not a tome by any stretch. It's not like, you know, the great book of, of dwarven grudges. But because it's not symmetric... It's not the same rules for both sides, so there's no. obviously different rules for the for the uh, for the opposing sides, which creates a bit more complexity. And it's quite a complex game. Yes, um, but look, you've got to set up figures in different regions, which is always the same every time. Yeah, different tokens, icons. You got to split the cards. You got to shuffle the cards. Um, there's there's a bit of work that goes into this. And I suppose the other thing that you're sort of touching on a little bit there, and we're touching on here, I and mean, beyond the, just the complexity, it's just the sheer scale of the game. Mm. So. Um, it's, there's it's, a lot of it's models. Two boards. The, yeah. the game board is split into twain. Yes. It's it's it, you need a decent size table. Yes. You're not going to be able to play this in a uh, in a cafe. Uh, you're going to need a big dining room table to play this game. And um and and yeah, like you say, it's big. So, um, I suppose beyond that, like I was sort of saying, there is is the other issue that I have with this game in terms of the overall experience is. At times, it can feel a bit unwieldy. Um, So you are dealing with so many models on the table. It's almost like you say that you've got two board games worth of real estate and, and, and that already feels, and even then it already, it still feels quite cramped at times. There's so many units on the table. Um, So, um, I mean, that's one negative for me, I think. Um, I'm not sure if there would be a way to tackle that whilst not drawing away from the grandeur has, and the it scale. It has to happen. It has to happen. This is not some skirmish, some backwater conflict between a marauding orc party and, you know, a couple of heroes. This is the entire three books, well, two, 
yeah. played out in its entirety. Yeah, it takes deviations from the from the narrative, but essentially you've got the the whole scope of Middle Earth in your in your in your hands in your realm. Yeah. Like you have to deal with so many little complex problems and nuances uh, and make the best of bad situations. Now, the other thing that we talk about sometimes between the two of us is is sort of the villain premise of a given game, whether right. there is one. And there definitely is one in this game, which is clearly the armies, the shadow armies, so the forces of evil. So you being essentially Sauron as the as the evil player, your role is to try and corrupt and and destroy the hobbits whilst at the and prevent them from destroying the ring, whilst at the same time um, launch your attack on Middle Earth and hopefully destroy them before before the hobbits can get to Middle Earth. And so, look, I get some some manacle glee at times when I can just see the entire race of elves diminishing and knowing <laughs> that there's no reinforcements to come. Like yeah. what you see on the board is it and every casualty you take just like cuts you a little. Right. A little. Like so a something ra- maybe we didn't talk about before, which is the fact that, like you say, the recruits for the Middle Earth, for the free peoples are limited, but for the for the shadow player, they're not. They're basically an infinite. So if you lose men, you can just recruit more. There's an infinite pool that you can draw on. And there's a smugness to that as there well. There is. You're just like... There's no stopping it. You just you feel like a World War One general. <laughs> <laughs> Throw more men up. <laughs> yeah, over the top. <laughs> just Kitchener, just you know, twirling my mustache, forming yeah. lines of you know, defenseless, defenseless people, just throwing them at the lines of machine guns. It's um, um, but look, corrupting feels feels good, but it's not it's not like I'm some mastermind pulling strings. It's an uphill battle as as this side. Like yeah, you've got well. That's what I was going to say. Is so that much to consider. There is that you feel like they're being a villain, but when you're in the seat of the shadow army play, and we've both played both sides, we have. You actually don't feel that powerful. You actually feel like the free peoples are. Um, surviving right. and they're, get, they're, they're slipping through your fingers yeah. like the hobbits are not where you're, like you're trying to capture them and they're just they're just not dying and greasy so hobbits it, irrespective of the, the the dice superiority and the the, the, the numerical superiority um there's there's a tyranny of distance in terms of where your troops are being recruited from yes um but at the same time the the actual the actual experience you're having is is completely different to your the way your opponent's perceiving you so I'm looking at Garrett as the Shadow Army as this dark, ominous force that is unstoppable. But Garrett feels like, as I, the Shadow I'm, Army... I'm, I'm worthless. Like, I was, like, militarily I got very little, close to crushing Rob. I got a little dick. It's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a light. I'll sleep with women. It's... But then this hobbit just squeezes through the gates and I'm powerless. And he's on the track, you know, moving towards Mordor and there's nothing further I can do. Once the hobbits are on the track, there is almost nothing. You you can try and get your 10 victory points, but really you can't affect those hobbits anymore. But there's some cards in the game that allow you to throw extra tiles into the tile and and, and they're good and bad. So once for the free peoples can be good. So there's the elven rope and the vial of Galadriel and all this stuff. Um, Gay shit, basically. And then the the shadow (laughs) army gets Shelob. You know, the the basic, the Shelob card, which is just a random D6 of damage, which can obviously go either way. Um, So there's some pretty nasty ones in there as well that can be used. Um, so that's sort of the villain premise, but, but as I say, both sides 
are constantly feeling like they're in struggle street. Definitely. But they're, they're, they're perceiving their opponents differently and feel like their opponent's actually doing quite well. That's, I agree. I agree. Both sides feel like they're under the hammer. Yeah. Um, you did say before that you felt the shadow player had a slight advantage in that quite quickly you can double your opponent's die. So yeah. for, like I can roll eight Quite activate quickly. Sauron. In, quite quickly in the game. Activate Sauron. Activate the Witch King. That takes some time, a little bit more time, but... Um, and then activating the, I mean, at the end, the Mouth of that's Sauron. That's endgame, definitely. Endgame. So you can get a ton of dice. I mean, obviously, the um, there's, there's things that you can do as the free people's player to try and stop that. One of them is there's a number of cards that can, can be used specifically against Sauron, for, uh, Saruman, for instance. <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, like if you can, as the shadow player, get that numerical, that dice superiority early on, you can really get the wheels turning yeah. on your campaign to like destroy Gondor and then sweep through and take take the elves. Um, so yeah, it's it's fucked. It's completely and utterly devastating as the as the free people's play when you watch one of your strongholds get taken. And I think in that game, you did win our latest game. Uh I may have taken one of your strongholds quite early on in the game, or it might have been the game before. I took Lorien. Yes. Very quickly. And, uh, and you Within just, the second, first or oh, second first turn. First or second turn. And you just felt like throwing in the towel, essentially. Yeah, I was on the verge. Devastated. Yeah. Uh, but I think you actually came through and may have even won that game. or I lost that game, uh, you uh, lost. but I got onto the third stage. Um, so we That's should explain right. that once you get into Mordor as the Hobbits, you basically got a little set of stairs, basically. Mm. So five little, I think there's steps. There's about five approximately. And then for each one, you no longer do the hunt tile, the hunt hunt rolls you basically just draw a tile randomly for each step along that 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 track right so you better have your hobbits in you know good shape or at least a lot of companions with them at that <laughs> point <laughs> to, to, to wear the damage <laughs> that's right that they're inevitably going to be taking um, you just throw aragorn at the pack of orcs that's and right the hobbits and in that particular running. game i didn't so yeah. I, I i think i was already at corruption eight and I just, I, I got corrupted. So Frodo turned into a Nazgul at the end and, <laughs> you know, spirited away with the ring right. into the clutches of Sauron. I don't know. Turned but, into Golem 2.0. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so as I say, players' perceptions are completely different. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, um, that's one of the great aspects of this game, I think, because you're constantly teetering on the edge. And so when you do win, you do have a victory in a battle or something goes your way, it does make it all the sweeter. What else, though, Garrett? What, what, what else did you want to talk about there in terms of the player experience and your experiences with the game? So the frustration of the die sometimes as well, when, as I think we've spoken about this already, yeah. you've got a, you're, you're just about to do the coup de grace yeah. and that finishing blow on your opponent and you roll nothing but, you know, recruits and, and play cards and you've yeah. got nothing. You, you just sit there and wait helplessly. Mm. As your opponent gets a turn to to withdraw or or bolster their defenses mm. or you know pull some magic out of their ass hat, and uh, all of a sudden the tables have turned and that mm. fantastic strategy that you thought you had in the bag uh, has just gone to nothing. You can feel powerless at times, oh, like there's totally. nothing that you can do, and that's probably um, that's probably one of the key. If I was to sort of list keywords that i draw from this game in terms of my experience powerlessness it's <laughs> probably one of the biggest ones no matter which side you play sure there is a sense of impending doom and, and powerlessness um and that's interesting because as the shadow player you've got a lot of options but at the same time they just don't feel sufficient enough to mm. end the game in the time that you're given so uh yeah 
but but as I say, that makes it all the sweeter when things do go your way. True. Value of the game, and should you make our purchase? Talking about um, cashola. Well, not cashola. Actually, we're just talking about you know with, with a game. Bang for buck. Bang time, for buck. Time for fun. <coughs> so I think, like Garrett said before, if you can, due to the value, due to the cost of the game, try and get it secondhand. So if you've got some like goat knuckles, like Garrett <coughs> does, or some. I don't know, some, some elephant tusks that you're looking to sort of shift. Small Maybe Indian can... motorcycle carburetors, you That's know, right. they go you down a tree. that a guy needs, you know. <laughs> just hook him up. Yeah, hook me up, actually. I'm looking for goat knuckles. I, th I think as well, you've got to find the right person to play this with. Yes. You cannot play this with anybody. They've got to have a great deal of patience and they've got to appreciate strategy and if they like fantasy and Lord of the Rings as well, it's a massive bonus. So, Garrett, what you're saying is basically you need something like a Renaissance man, somebody yes. who is 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 an eclectic, intelligent, articulate man, <laughs> with sexual almost. You mean you'd say sure. it's got an element of charm? Are you, are you talking about me? <laughs> well, I didn't say it, but uh, <laughs> God, flattery. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that if you've only got a selection of friends who play board games who don't have the interest in going deep into a game five hours balls deep. deep five hours big setup time, six cups of tea prepared to yeah go into three pots of tea and, and really sort of like hammer into the rules and fully flesh out the game don't buy it if they're more interested in yeah low complexity games i mean i'm trying to think of another two-player game that's less complex there are ones out there. There's definitely options out there. This is not the game for you. No. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of your time. You need someone Just who's patient. Just to learn it in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, Garrett. It's worth <laughs> the investment. It's worth the time because the game is really good. So we, we wouldn't have invested this amount of time. I mean, we've played other games in the past where we've gotten an hour in and said, you know what? This <laughs> is not for us. Let's not name them. No. <laughs> Knock those on the head. We've done that before, at least in two to two or three other games oh, where we've just said, this is a write-off. It's not actually yep. enjoyable yep. and, and it's not our cup of tea. It's, so This is worth a slog. So in that respect, the game is good, but set yourself up for success and make sure that you've got a good player to play this game with and, and be prepared to go through a couple of games, ironing out the kinks, working pulling out, your hair, pulling your hair. Realizing, yeah, oh my God, we've been playing this thing wrong the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess that ties into replayability as well, which mm. I personally find this game very replayable. Um, which is interesting because it's the same setup every time. Well, it's the same setup, but the ending is always different. Ending every time we've played different. this game, it's always ended differently, which makes it fun. I mean, one thing though is, Garrett and I play this game after work, so we're constantly battling the clock, trying to get the game finished before I have to go home to my fiance, and so that way it's a it's um, it's frustrating. Mm. Um, but but we have seen completely different ways that this game's played out. So there's a great variance in terms of the outcome of this game, which tells me that your actions do have a huge um, impact on the game. So there, there is a big scope that your actions can clearly and and demonstrably affect the outcome of the game like we talked about before garrett's um fucking campaign on lorian he took out my elven kingdom so i couldn't recruit any elves i mean from that area sure which which really hamstrung me because i already had a few dice and um i only had a few dice and 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 that ultimately i think was really your step up to then take the game overall so you actually won the game i think in in some part yeah yeah due to that because i then had to 
sacrifice more of my resources of my dice to make up for that. But you did feel very frustrated because you couldn't have done anything to prevent that. I remember the dice that you got. Well, I could have used the elven rings, which we talked about. Ah, yes. You so. did forget about those. But <laughs> at the time, you were like, I just couldn't get enough bodies in there. I it's needed- a lack of experience, yeah. yeah. I saw what was coming. I just didn't realize, hey, if I didn't get the right dice, I maybe I flip those rings. Those rings. So, so um, what else is different? The, the cards you receive are different at the start as well. Um, random some, card draws. Yes. Yep. The dice are random, obviously. Yep. Um, and the cards are powerful if you get the right ones yep. um, at certain times. Like they can allow you to recruit things, even though you normally wouldn't be able to recruit them Correct. because of the depl- like the diplomacy that's happening at the moment. Yes. So depending on the political track, you can or can't recruit. But some cards overwrite that, which can be a huge help, especially for the uh, for, sure. for the good players. Um, ease of mastery. No. Very low in this game. So it's a very complex game. It yep. takes a lot of time to, to, to get it. To get it uh, I'm going to liken it to Twilight Struggle. You kind of know what cards are coming in Twilight Struggle when you play it enough. You're like, oh, my friend hasn't played Blockade yet. Hey. Pretty sure that's going to come up at some point. Oh, here comes Asia Scoring. Defectors. Defectors are coming. I haven't been shown in a while. This, there is probably a hundred cards yeah. each. There's just too many cards for you, unless you were like fucking Rain Man <laughs> and you had some, or, or a Lord of the Rings, like complete nut of like, Bible basher who knew every aspect of the game and then got obsessed with this game and then knew all of the cards and was able to keep track of them. But I honestly don't think you could do no. that. It'd be the, very hard. There's some key moments that do happen, uh, stay, taken, well, straight out of the book. Basically, if you can get Gandalf the White down to Fangorn Forest, you can release the Ents onto Saruman's stronghold. And, and with the cards. The with right the cards. cards yeah. With the right cards. So you kind of, as after a couple of games, realize that that's coming. Um, and I'm sure there's other events that are similar to that as well yep. that both players can be aware of. But it just takes a few playthroughs to get to grips and understand, okay, what are these key moments that are going to hit me and what can I do to be prepared for that? Yes. Um, so what about balance? I mean, we've talked about the asymmetry of this game and said how different the, the two sides are, not, not just in terms of the cards, but also that the dice is completely the, different. How the leaders move around, the, the battle, um, activating different leaders as well and their special abilities. It's, it's surprisingly balanced. Yes, I would, say, um, I would say that there's a slight advantage to the shadow player in terms of winning the game. That's at least just, I mean, that's purely anecdotal. That's a, that's a very anecdotal op- opinion. I know that. That's based on just a, a handful of games Six that we've Six games had. in, yeah. Um, but that's my, 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 my impression at the moment. It seems to be that the, the, the Shadow player has a good chance of winning the game. Um, but at the same time, it's not so much that I feel like it's a complete write-off. I mean, it might be a marginal benefit to the uh, Shadow player. And that's indicative of the game anyway. I mean, like, basically meant to have an outside chance you're not supposed to be able to easily move makes, your it makes a good story yeah exactly right um so garrett can i move on to the last point here is that okay yeah just before you do yeah um you were just talking about like um uh, balancing issues and and uh who does it favor i suppose at the start it can feel quite crushing to the, the free player when they do start losing those initial settlements because they mm. were underprepared um, once those first kind of get under the belt of the shadow player, they generally have a pretty tough time claiming the last bunch because by now they can sort of 
the, the free player can focus their defenses in just one or two areas. Correct. Really build up a, a sizable stronghold. And it is going to be a very tough nut to crack. On mm. top of that, the shadow player still needs to maintain garrisons at these other settlements and strongholds they've held. Because if they don't, the free players can come back, swoop in there again, uh, and claim back those points, which you yep. did to me during a game, actually. Yes. And you've got the continual issue with the shadow player, which is the tyranny of distance. So where you're recruiting from is often far away. So you're 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 like eating through your troops to get these strongholds. So by the time you get them, you've only got a few troops generally. That's a, that's a common issue for the shadow player where you've only got a few troops after a battle. And as Garrett says, you've got to use those troops to hold down your region so they don't get retaken. And that means that your capacity to then move on and further campaign and take other strongholds is limited. So you, so you will find that all hope is not lost. <laughs> that's right. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Yeah. Was that a quote? I think so. Yeah, I was oh, trying great. to do one. That's great. Yeah, when all other lights are oh, turned out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, moving something on. we talk about here, which we like to call between the two of us, like the MSG factor of a game, which is the addictiveness or the <laughs> yeah. the sort of appetite we have to come back and play a game again and again. So, I mean, uh, some games we can play once or twice in a year, and we we're squared, we're, we're sorted, good. we're squared away. Um, other games we couldn't get enough of we would we, we'll play every day if we had the chance so in terms of that scale that would be a scale of one being throw that in the fucking trash i don't want to see it again to, to 10 10 uh, it's it's like honey chicken coated in a whole hey, hey yeah it's, it's like long bottom leaf on a midsummer's <laughs> oh, day sorry. <laughs> with a roast chicken on your on your on your round belly you know, by a warm I like hearth. it. I like it. And a, and a mug of ale. And a mug of ale. Chilled ale from, uh, you know, a buxom wench. <laughs> Rosie Cotton is not no buxom wench. <laughs> I'll have you for shanks. <laughs> All right, Sam. It didn't mean no harm. Um, I'm giving this a, uh, like a, a solid eight, seven, eight. Seven or eight? Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't wake up in a cold sweat thinking about this game, but mm. after a game... I think long and hard. I have a long, hard look in the mirror. <laughs> An Con- existential crisis. Contemplate my, my... Maybe I should be a she-lob. <laughs> <laughs> I always could be an elf. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fantastically in-depth, capable game with a few errors is as far as board layout and, and user interface is concerned. But really, I can't think of many other games at this caliber, other than maybe Twilight Struggle, that that pits intellect for intellect. Yeah. My thoughts? Yeah. Uh, aspects of this game that annoy me. <laughs> um, cluttered board. Ooh. The cards, the text is way too small. Uh, it's almost, I can't read these without, like I have to take my glasses off because there's, I have to look really closely and take my glasses off because I'm, uh, I'm short-sighted. And there's minimal iconography like there as well. Yeah, limited artwork, which I think would have been nice if they had some imagery, that would have been really good. Um, I don't know if there's some sort of copywriting issues with the War of the Ring, with the Lord of the Rings movie or the or the books, but it would have been nice to see a bit more of that reflected on the board. But at the same time, it was already cluttered. So I, I, I take that. Um the uh, the uh, the units. I mean, maybe if they made the units smaller so that they're more easily moved around, but that's another issue. I mean, there are just so many units. We get to a point where we use the, these little tokens to represent um, uh, sort of denominations. So Which is what they, they recommend doing. Yeah, but, but it, it kind of ru- ruins the visual of the game. So I understand there's a balance there. I know, I know you can't have your cake and eat it too. I, I get that. But there are aspects of this game 
that that do annoy me, and um, and and uh, and so I'll put those aside. The game's good, so the game is mm. fun, mm. Um, and and at the same time you feel like you're in the Lord of the Rings when you're playing oh, this game. Yeah. So the cards are, are really really themey. The, uh, uh, the 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 sort of the flow of the game is feels nice. Like I say, you constantly feel like you're on the rope, so it feels like an intellectual challenge, as Garrett says, um, as long as you've got a good opponent. Um, so in that way, I think if you've got all of your your pieces lined together and you've you've you know you've got a good opponent, um, you know you're playing the side that you want to play and all that good stuff, it's a great game. Yeah, I would give it about a six and a half to a seven. Yeah, wow, really good. Um, so for this type of one-on-one strategic game, if you like that type of game. Bit of card management, yeah. a little bit of chance, a little bit of luck in there as well. It comes with the dice. Um, you know, you, you couldn't go wrong with this game. No. no. Pick it up if you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you like big open strategy. <coughs> it's pretty good. But um, did you have any other thoughts, Garrett? <sighs> no? I think that sums it up. No, I was thinking of trying to think of a pithy uh, little Lord of the Rings one-liner there. Oh, yeah, if you want it, come and claim it. Yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. If you want it, come and claim it. Amazon.com <laughs> or any other good uh, board gaming stores out there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's a little old. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a little, seven years old. A little long in the tooth. Yeah. But, but grab it. Yeah, so it's a fantastic game. Like I say, looking at around about a 7 out of 10 between the two of us. Um, there's a few foibles to the game, but as we said... Those are overshadowed by just the, the grandness of the game and the scale of the game, which are all amazing. Um, if you like games like Risk, mm. you would like this game. Um, if you like Lord of the Rings, <laughs> you would like this game, uh, I would hope. Is that the end of the show? Is that what that is? <laughs> Man flesh. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, uh, I think that's us going to sign off. Garrett, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks, um, Rob. And, uh, I mean, is there any news in terms of what we'll be reviewing next? All right. Um, so, Full of a Took is, uh, is coming up next. Full of a Took. Full of a Took. Oh, Full of a Took. Full of a Took. No, I, I think we've, uh, we've got some interesting games coming up, such as Blood Game, Bloodhaven, Blood... Yeah, I believe it's called Blood Blaven. Blood Blaven. Uh, <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Yeah, it's the an one, epic game. The one named by a 13-year-old. Yeah. Um, and a little couple of micro games as well. Hive and... Jaipur. Jaipur. Uh, I think another game we'll be reviewing soon is uh, Brass Birmingham. Oh, yes. Yeah, Brass Birmingham is coming up. It's um, as well as Concordia at some point oh, in yeah. the near future. We'll, we'll need be to get reviewing some more that. games in of that, I think. I think we're going to have to get some more games in. Um, but uh, beyond that, we've got a couple of others on the back burner that we will review eventually. Um, but I think that's it. Yep. If, I, if I knew how to say farewell in Elvish, I would be oh, saying it right Google. now. Google it. Burn, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fun in battle. Yeah, something like that. It's, it says, uh, yeah, open, speak friend and enter. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we'll hear from you next time. Not hear from you. You'll hear from us. You'll hear from us. Adios. Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>